0: Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi, everyone. We've got a great program on Looking Forward today. If you're somebody who's struggling with the stresses of life, and let's face it, who isn't, especially with COVID-19, and you're looking for approaches to deal with that, then my guest is going to be very helpful for you, and you'll definitely want to listen along. Her name is Pax Tandon. Pax is an author, a lecturer, a filmmaker, a wellness advocate, and a personal life development coach. And most significantly, Pax is an expert on the practice of mindfulness and positive psychology. Pax, we are so glad that you're here. This topic of mindfulness that we're going to get into is so apropos for today's world, even before COVID-19 and certainly now as well. And I don't imagine it won't be that way going into the future. So thank you again for agreeing to be on Looking Forward. Thank you for
1: having me. It's a pleasure.
0: You're welcome. And we should let everybody know, they wouldn't know otherwise, that Pax is in France right now in some idyllic spot, and she'll probably weave that in in some way to make us all feel jealous if we're not similarly in an idyllic spot
1: (laughs) Well, I wouldn't call it jealousy, but I will drop it in to make sure that people are aware of what it means to follow your bliss, what it means to follow your flow in life, where that can take you. And and yes, it, it takes you to magic. So I'll leave it there. And I will say good afternoon back. Since you pointed out that I'm in France, I'm six hours ahead. So
0: That's right. It's afternoon. And who knows when people will listen to this, but we are, <laughs> we are recording this in the morning. All right. We- so
1: good evening. Now we've covered all the bases. <laughs> <laughs> good
0: evening, wherever you are. Pax, if you could please tell our audience a little bit about you, why you became interested in positive psychology and mindfulness, why you started your business, and there's a lot of questions, but they all interweave, and what exactly your business activities include.
1: Yeah, happy to. So I could say that this, this journey really started uh, back in high school for me. Between my freshman and sophomore years, um, I was coming out of honors biology And I had made a grade of B. And you needed a B plus to get into the next year's honors chemistry class. Now, my parents were were very willful around me becoming a doctor. And from a very young age, I mean, you know, that's like Asian child syndrome. Um, But there are good rationales around it, uh, especially for children of immigrants, you know, the security and stability of such a career. So they really wanted that for me. And I didn't have a problem with it at that point. Um, I was probably too young to have a problem with it. So I didn't know much better. Okay. But either way, you know, I, I had always been that little girl that, you know, when somebody had a wound or a cut, I ran off to get the alcohol swabs and the band-aids. You know, at seven or eight years old, I was watching a lot of Oprah and mock interviewing people with my psychology hat on, like counseling and giving advice, which I probably had no place to give at seven years old, but it was sort of an inborn competence. You know, it was something that just came very naturally to me and ultimately that, that friends and family started to rely on me for. So I found, it, I found it organic to think, yeah, I'll become a doctor. Like that seems to fit. Well, I didn't make the grade, um, literally, didn't make that B. Plus. And it, it became quite uh, a big deal, a federal case, you know, wherein uh, I, I just really started to feel diminished. Um, that was the first trigger for a major depression in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, that made first major depressive episode happened at the age of 14 for me, uh, which is a, a very delicate time. You know, for adolescents, brains growing, developing very rapidly, and and so to encounter something like that uh, traumatizes and sticks in a different way too. It changes your brain chemistry. It changes development, and and far from now, me saying that that was that uh, that was awful. Although, you know, I can tell you that when you've suffered one major depressive episode, especially younger in life, you are uh, much more likely statistically to suffer others. Um, so there is that side of things for all parents listening, you know, to, to be mindful, again, bringing that mindful word back yeah. in, and I'll, I'll get to how that, that came into my journey too, but to be very mindful of where children and young adults are in that place in their life, and to make sure that they're supported and having the skills and tools that they need to, to not succumb to negative states of being like that, to put them in the right perspective. So, that said, um, I didn't make that grade and it triggered a depression in me. And the most interesting thing is, you know, that B, plus, right? You may have already picked up on this, but that's also our shorthand for B positive. right? Um, That's also my blood type. So in a lot of ways, there was a convergence of factors happening already that I was not aware of. My life journey was starting to unfold. And something that I want to point out about a lot of the work that I do uh, in, in positive psychology and be positive is helping myself first and then others later on in my journey, learn how to recognize pain as the greatest force for growth and change. you know, As our greatest teacher, if we can receive it that way, I did not have the awareness back then, nor the guides to help me understand that about my life. But now in retrospect and perspective, it's like, oh yeah, of course, that had to happen to bring me here. It all makes sense and all is right in the world. In that moment, all was not right in the world. In fact, it was the opposite. My world felt like it was crumbling around me, you know, for, for this little lack of a plus that eventually was my, was my trajectory in career. So um, ultimately, after some time, after taking the MCAT, <laughs> wow. then deciding I wasn't going to go to medical school, finished all the classes, did, did the thing, yeah. then decided to go into television, um, which I did for a while, uh, an awareness of, of wanting to do better Again, wanting that plus back in my life, you know, B, but what, negative? That's a lot of what the the news media is about, right? It's negative spin, and that's what I was doing. I needed to return to that original B positive, you know, my blood type. It's literally flowing through my veins, that, that concept. Yeah. So I found my way back to Penn for graduate school in positive psychology and in the quest for well-being, because to be quite honest, It wasn't just a a grad degree in positive psychology alone that that gave me a handle on well-being it was a lot more along the way that I needed to explore you know information gathering around mindfulness that has been the most pivotal um, around coaching around past life regression therapy hypnotherapy ayahuasca in Peru with shaman a whole host of of well-being modalities is to come to a place of, okay, I see where the balance is. So my practice, my business is inherently a combination of all of that. It is informed from a place of very real depression in my own life, knowing what that feels like, spikes of anxiety too, an organic uh, pursuit of well-being to come to a place of this makes sense to me now. Um, and that's why I eventually ended up writing my book, Mindfulness Matters, uh, which, you know, was published a couple of years ago. And 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 that sort of brings us to the current moment.
0: Okay. And thank you for that very good introduction to how you got involved in this. It's it's quite a story. And one of the things I, I wanted to point out is, if I don't mention this later, Pax's book, which you may talk about again, is now available on audio. Is that not correct?
1: That is correct. And thank you for mentioning that because this was the first project of its kind in my publishing house. It's a small independent house. uh, And I went with them very deliberately. You know, I, I love to support the smaller houses. And this was the first project of its kind. So I was the pioneer in doing an audiobook there and I voiced it. So what I love about this project is that you get access to the way that I would teach and train in my voice. It's like I'm sitting in the room with you, which is why I really wanted to do that project. You know, an audiobook in particular, without the high price tag of one-on-one coaching. So it's a beautiful way, I think, to receive a lot of this learning and teaching and feel like you have me supporting you and guiding you every step of the way.
0: That's terrific. A couple things based on what you said. One is... You've probably heard this, too. Uh, Ryan Holiday has a book called The Obstacle is the Way, going back to Marcus Aurelius. And uh-huh. in your life, there was a big obstacle, but it did actually turn out to lead to the way. Uh-huh. And, and another thing, which I don't think I've been saying enough with, my, with this podcast looking forward, is the whole notion of this is that we we need to put on some sort of a positive aura around things to look forward to things because there is so much to look forward to amidst all the gray and the darkness. There, there, uh-huh. There's still a lot to look forward to. So in terms of your business activities, I still want to get back to that, Pax. You wrote a book, uh-huh. now on audio. Tell us a little bit more about you know, what you do with mindfulness. Then we're going to get a little bit more deeply into mindfulness.
1: Sure. So of course, at the nucleus of what I do is a coaching practice. Um, And as I mentioned, that coaching practice is informed by my graduate work in positive psychology, my certifications in mindfulness. I'm also trained in mindfulness specifically for kindergarten through 12th graders, Mm. certified in yoga, certified in past life regression therapy, which again, as I mentioned, is somewhat part and parcel uh, with hypnotherapy. So if you want to think about it that way for anyone unfamiliar. So my my business really at the Nucleus is that. It's my one-on-one work with clients on an individual level. But then having said that, I do tons of media appearances, conversations just like this, workshops, lectures, you know, I've even sort of emceed for the uh, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention for their annual walk. So that's thousands of people that gather. And I played MC and also gave all of the folks there a view to, to the upside, you know, to how to honor somebody's life and legacy um, through your own channel when they are no longer with us. So lots of different ways. And then, of course, my book, my audiobook just launched. Um I'm working on my next book. And so I'm doing Instagram lives with different uh, perspectives, you know, people from my world from very different arenas where mindfulness is really the common thread. And then I bring in their perspectives to inform how we might use mindfulness to help that perspective along. For example, relationships and nonviolent communication um, as an example, or, you know, given the state of the world right now, uh, and given a lot of truths that are coming to light, how can people a cope and then b become activists for change on this planet? As well, examples,
0: we, we couldn't need this stuff more now, individually and societally. Pax, so uh, agreed, one hundred percent. We need you. We need you very much, and people like you. <laughs> now, let's, let's talk about how great is the interest in positive psychology and mindfulness, Pax, and how has that changed, if at all, over the last, say, five or 10 years as you've been more immersed in it?
1: That's a great question because that 10-year number is pretty significant hmm. uh, on a few levels and other convergence, if you will. I finished grad school exactly 10 years ago.
0: Wow.
1: And when I went through graduate school, forget interest in positive psychology and mindfulness. It wasn't really on the radar. So in fact, I would give you the 10-year number as the time when that tide started to shift. Right around when I was graduating is when more and more people were waking up to positive psychology and mindfulness, both sort of in equal stead as, as philosophies, as concepts, as ways of being, ways of life. The whole personal development and self-help movements also really started to burgeon At that time, and so we've seen this swell—you know, this uptick in interest uh, in in these fields um, and the training and practices that that they can offer—really in the last ten years. So I would say that the growth then in the last ten years has been exponential. You know, it was it was a very teeny swell. I mean, I was only in the fifth class of positive psychology at Penn, and and now you know we're fifteen years deep and. If you were to ask anyone in these same circles of meditation, of personal development, etc., you know, did they know what positive psychology was? Y- you'd get a lot of crickets. I got a lot of blank stares. A lot of people would then also ask me what, as opposed to negative psychology, because people just didn't know anything but vanilla psychology. So, what does positive mean? Like, does that mean the old stuff was like negative? No. Um, and it was funny, you know, because I'd always chuckle and then say, well, actually, we're, we're dealing much more with the, the plus side of the spectrum. Once you've gotten yourself to neutral, you know, then what can we do to continuously enhance well-being, you know, get ourselves to, to thriving from a place of just surviving? So there's, there's been a huge amount of interest, and on the mindfulness side, John Kabat-Zinn, I think, was really um, at the frontier, right? You're nodding, so you know, of the modern mindfulness movement. But it's been a few decades. And, and again, only in the last 10 or so years did schools like Penn, Jefferson start creating mindfulness-based stress reduction programs around that same philosophy, how to reduce stress, how to reduce pain you know, through mindfulness. Um, and that has, again, burgeoned in the last 10 years to the extent that now there are certifications in teaching and training mindfulness. That was unheard of before. And I have one or two, you know? Yeah. So it's it's fantastic to see that upswell because it's not lost on anyone now. The world really needs it. You know, we've, we've just gone through this global pandemic, an unprecedented level of Panic, anxiety, you know, illness, uh, that kind of thing. And now more than ever, you know, we, we need to keep riding that wave of of what it is that's going to help us cope and then thrive from it.
0: And, you know, this is probably a good time to just have you tell the audience positive psychology and mindfulness. These are... For people who are not that familiar, I mean, we've heard a lot of more people now know these phrases than ever, but they may not be exactly clear about what are they? Are these are techniques? We're talking about techniques that, that we can use. Speak to that just a little bit, please.
1: Sure. That's a great question. Well, in short, I'll say that mindfulness is a practice. Positive psychology is a way of life, but inherent in both of them are skills and tools that you can use very deliberately to increase happiness and well-being.
0: Okay, that's great. So the other thing I wanna mention, which you know better than anybody, is Dr. Martin Seligman was one of the, I guess, first proponents of this whole positive psychology movement. And you, did you have him as an instructor by any chance or?
1: I sure did. He yeah. started the positive psychology graduate yes. program at Penn, in fact. Okay. Yes, He was the founder, and uh, so I had a lot of interaction with him. He taught us a lot of our classes, but also had was constantly a presence when we were going through grad school to have his friends, colleagues come in. So we were trained and taught by the best of the best. The top minds in the world when it comes to anything related to psychological health and well-being, we had as our professors and teachers. So I'm so grateful for that. And he also hired me as editor of Authentic Happiness, which was, you know, one of his first books in this yes. subject matter. Uh, and then I was editing his online content and website for that book.
0: Oh, good for you! Yeah, you were—you really were at the right place as far as the grounding for this uh, to be. Yeah,
1: at the nucleus. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Now let's—you alluded to COVID nineteen, uh-huh. so, Max. Let's talk just a little bit about how has COVID nineteen affected your business, what you do, and and how has it affected consumers in terms of their need for positive psychology and mindfulness practice?
1: So Jeff, in my experience in my business, it hasn't really affected me in a material way. Okay, You know, in that, for the most part, I take all of my clients virtually. So, so it didn't have a negative impact in that, you know, social distancing and, and businesses were shut down. As you know, everything in the virtual space burgeoned, you know, exploded. Yeah. And so from a material level, not so much of a change. As far as as demand or, or how that COVID-19 has related to mindfulness, positive psychology and, and other topics, I think that this has only increased the need for it. Most people just don't know it yet. So it has increased the need in that rates of anxiety have spiked, depression have spiked, and we can see that immediately on a, on a very numbers level from the increase in prescription drugs for both of those syndromes. Um, they've gone through the roof right? So prescriptions for anxiety medications, depression medications have exploded since COVID-19 began, began in quotes, you know, since, since we got wind of it. And, and so we know that that's happening, but I don't think that people are still yet aware of who to turn to or where to go to help them cope with some of these negative states of being.
0: Wow. I know that the demand for help with problems like depression, anxiety, were already through the roof. So Uh it's hard to imagine how they could increase exponentially, but they might very well have through what's happened because now you have the economic impact on people's Uh lives, which is dramatic.
1: Indeed, and one thing I should point out, which I think will be very helpful for people to hear when it comes to why I advocate for these practices in particular, Why I didn't eventually go to medical school. You know, there was something that didn't sit well with me about the idea of spending 10 years uh, with somebody, you know, a decade of their life journey in therapy. And through my training in clinical approaches, you know, which I have also trained in and interned in, that's really the case. In general, um, patients are in it for the long haul. And a lot of the Haitians had already been there for an average of five years. You know, that means some longer than 10 and some just on the beginning of their journey, but that's how it's designed. That never appealed to me. I, I am about quick work. I'm about, let's do this in concentrated fashion and let me give you the skills and tools so that you can take them and continue on an upward trajectory in your life journey. Now more than ever, we don't have the time if you confront something like COVID-19, it affects your business in an adverse way that is going to have impact across the board in your life. Now, is it, is it helping you? If you freak out, if you get paralyzed, if you get so overwhelmed, you don't know what to do, you can't take care of your children, etc.? No. And so mindfulness has been the foundational tool that I have found on my journey to help, to help us not get to those places in life you know, to help navigate this journey with poise, with balance, with presence, so we can make the right decisions in the moment. So we don't get paralyzed by our own fear or anxiety. You know, we can keep that in in control, in balance, and work with it actually to find a more productive way forward. And that's the central thesis of my book. Mindfulness is at the foundation and the core, and then you can build the positive psychology practices and all of the other spiritual Um, et cetera, tools on top of it.
0: One of the things that I find very encouraging about what you're saying, Pax, is that your approach, and I've heard this as recently as last night when I watched a, a webinar, some practitioners are moving in the direction of, I'm not looking to see you a lot. I'm not looking to see you for a long time. I'm looking to give you the, whatever it is that you might need that I can offer you that you can then run with, you know, yes. it's the old, you know about teaching somebody how to fish, you know, the parable and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I did want to jump to ask you about uh, something you alluded to with your own business. People can access you, have been accessing you virtually, probably before COVID-19, um, Do you find that with COVID-19, if people are looking to get assistance with mindfulness practice or positive psychology, that there are now more opportunities virtually that are out there for people? Has that, in a sense, been in bolstered by what has happened?
1: Oh, certainly. Most certainly. I mean, I have myself uh just been on a lot of calls privy to a lot of this information free you know the garrison institute one of the premier places uh where i had my beginning and ending retreat for my mindfulness certification course it was held there they do a lot of work with mindfulness and they're offering daily mindfulness instruction and practice john cabot zinn the, the pioneer of mindfulness that I mentioned before still daily is going live to lead practices and talk about it. And this is all free. You know, this is not to mention all of the setup around um, tools and, and things like that, that we can actually pay for, but there's been an uptick across the board. I'm loving that there's an altruism to the way that a lot of folks in this space are recognizing there's a need and and just giving that um, as a service, you know, like I'm doing on my Instagram lives. I just finished a 30 day mindful life challenge, so we could all do a conscious quarantine, infusing mindfulness into the con- into the quarantine to make it conscious. Um, and we just wrapped that up, and that was all free. You know, just a free service to help people learn how to cope. And this is all virtual. One other thing I should mention is through our grad school community, because we're talking about positive psychology, and these are all sort of the premier minds in this field. They all as a community called together uh, a series called Strategies to Thrive. These are all webinars by positive psychology graduates, um, and it's on the website mapalum.org. So that's M A P P A L U M.org forward slash strategies to thrive. Lots of free material out there. Um, You again can go to my website. My Instagram handle is at Paxtandon. You can access the 30-Day Mindful Life Challenge for the Foreseeable Future. So there's so many resources. It's, in fact, very heartwarming for me uh, that through COVID-19, there are many blessings that I can see, but one of the predominant is the response to your question, which is that there was so much more content available virtually and online for people to access uh, that they couldn't before. And it just makes it easier.
0: Pax, that's wonderful information. It is the positive side of things. And uh, the key seems to be we need to make people more aware of these tools and techniques and how to access them. And even for those people who, who may have minimal resources economically, there are ways that they can access these things. Now, the show is called Looking Forward in part because we want to be thinking positively, but also to... To look for it. So if you think about when we get through COVID 19, which I'm sure we will at some point, just don't know when. If you think about that period, which will be one hopefully in the not too distant future, and things returned away, not the way they used to be state, but more normal than they may be right now. What impact do you see in the shorter term that this will have on mindfulness and positive psychology and people's interest in it and your, the way that you do business? Will that change in any way in the nearer term?
1: I gather it will. And I gather that will happen because, again, before things get better, they're going to get a little bit worse. And if this time has taught us anything, it's that mindfulness, first and foremost, should be a way of life. You know, th- this practice should become the way of life. I said that it's a practice earlier because that's really where it's still sitting as far as humanity is concerned. People see it as a choice. I'm gonna practice where I won't. But I don't see it as a choice, especially when the world looks as it does now. If everybody already had the skills and tools, you know, had already been practicing and they were doing this mindful way of life and being, things would look very different, you know, from an individual level, first and foremost, we would not see crazy exponential increases in the demand for pharmaceuticals, for anxiety and depression, because we wouldn't, we wouldn't be hit with it in the same way. We'd all be able to recognize that within all of this is an opportunity. Can we see that opportunity? And now can we face that opportunity with enough balance, poise, grace, ease to actually do something better. But where people get arrested is when their anxiety and depression are are all over the place. They don't know how to cope. They get paralyzed. You know That's not a space from which you can find productive solutions. This is just brain chemistry. We know this from the research, right? When you're in fight or flight and fear mode, your brain goes very linear. The blood goes to one place, which is Am I gonna fight or flee, right? Versus a positive, optimistic state of mind and being, a mindful space, right? It's very open. Blood flow is going to the creative centers of our brain. We can find solutions. We can actually be optimistic. So, you know, this this to my mind is is a huge trigger for the need for this to be a part of life no matter what, not just when something crazy happens, and and then we're struggling. Because we wouldn't struggle in the first place if we had it.
0: So is your thinking, even in the nearer term, let's say we're fortunate in the next couple of years to get past the virus, that there's going to be a greater practice of these techniques and approaches, a greater demand for them, a a movement away from pharmaceuticals to, to ease one's mind? Or do you think that's more like what I was going to ask you after that, which is in the longer term, five or ten years down the road?
1: Well, the optimist in me, and that's not blind optimism. It just requires a couple of variables to be in place. Uh, One of those is, you know, that that a lot of people found their way to mindfulness, for example, but also to positive psychology, knowing that there was a gap, a need, a void, you know, left by this crisis, and they sought. Out something to fill it, so that inherently would would tell people, teach them that there are resources available and they work, right? So that would increase the momentum behind these things. Uh, on the other side, you know, we have the idea that again, after too much time, you know, we need to within ourselves recognize that positive psychology, for example, right? Interesting studies, one, just one of which I'll quickly point out: yeah. shooting a rhinovirus right, up the noses of a control group, you know, and a, a variable group, or let's say the variable group and control um, had a positive outlook, right? So, so they were by nature positive, sort of happy people. And the, the other group, the variable group, were by nature sort of rancorous and surly and unhappy. And when they inserted the virus into the noses of both of these groups, both cold And flu, so that's very relevant to something like COVID-19, right? It manifests just like a flu kind of situation. The positive, optimistic people either didn't get sick, right, and the other group did, or they recovered much more quickly. Their symptoms were a lot less malicious. So that just that helped lend credence to the idea that a positive and optimistic frame of mind and being helps with your immunity. If nothing else, you know, coming out of this, I would hope that people would recognize that when you institute these practices in your life, you also develop more immunity, more resistance to exactly the thing we're fighting, right? Yeah. Across the board, you know, it, it stands to help us. So the optimist in me says people will recognize it, they will be mindful of it, they will integrate it, and they will keep going with it. The cynic in me could say, you know, a lot of human nature tends, tends to be about the quick fix. We use it in a moment, we feel better, we drop it like a bad habit, and then we go through the same cycle again,
0: yeah. right? Yeah. So your positive frame of mind would like to think that in the longer term, which we're only going to f- define as, say, the next five or 10 years, there is going to be an increase not only in the demand for positive psychology and mindfulness practice, but you see more people will be applying this. People will actually be utilizing this. That's, that's- Most definitely because,
1: okay. again, on the slightly cynical side, it's going to come from a place of need. For the people yeah. that get it and adhere to it, and there are a lot, I've already seen that going up. Um, that's already happening. And on the other side, there are going to be the folks that, That do it on an SOS basis. But again, you know, just the reality of the world that we're living in right now, in the short term, and and if you want to say short term is three to five years, it's going to get worse before it gets better. There are truths uh, coming to light, you know, um, around things that are happening in our world. You know, in, in various sectors that even I had a rude awakening around the last six to 12 months. As I started doing research, I started to realize, oh my goodness, we're in for it. You know, and, and a lot of people who had already been doing that research could tell you there's an economic crisis that's probably going to happen. There, there are incendiary things that are going to happen, just like now with the George Floyd case. You know, yes. pundits could see that happening. You know, based on certain parameters and, and how they were unfolding, those same pundits are telling us, you know, more waves are coming. And we need to be ready for that. So from either perspective, we need to know how we're going to cope, come together, and then find solutions to to some of these um, to some of these issues so that when the real crash and burn is apparent, and it's already apparent. As I said earlier, in in Sparks, um, we will know how to come together to to be the phoenix, you know, that rises from it um, and creates a better, healthier, more productive humanitarian system.
0: Yes, and that's where these techniques could certainly play a vital role. I want to ask you two last things before we tell the audience how they can reach you. Sure. Uh, the, the one thing I want to ask you is: here you are, you're in France, okay? Mm-hmm. And we're, we're speaking in, unintentionally, I'm, I'm sort of leaning you in a provincial way, in a sense. You're also speaking globally, but I'm kind of talking about Penn and we're talking about the United States and what's happening. But this, this movement of positive psychology, which in part, or maybe more fully began in Philadelphia at Penn, okay, mm-hmm. is this movement, is this interest, this demand in these services, this need for these services positive psychology outlook and training, mindfulness practice. Is this more global? Is this happening in the developed world elsewhere? Or is this largely a United States thing?
1: Well, I would say that it is still largely a United States thing with two caveats. You know, one that things generally move from east to west in this space of self-development meditation, philosophies around how to find a way of being that's healthier and more productive, like mindfulness, right? That started with the the Buddha, right? In India, under the Bodhi tree and his enlightenment. So these are, these are tending to move east to west. And so from that point of view, they've already filtered through Europe a little bit, just in a different kind of balance. We love fads in the US. You know, we love the trending topics. We love to just, Go for it with the media, you know. So, so things become buzzworthy and trendy, and then they they tend to fall off a little. Uh, but in Europe, you know, as, as I'm here um, and noticing the the cultural differences and that kind of thing, it may not have that same flash in the pan uh, sort of idea, but it takes root in in a more deliberate way. And so, I've already seen and well established practices in psychology here positive psychology as an added certificate, you know, or area of expertise for a lot of the psychologists. Mindfulness yeah. even, less so, but somewhat, somewhat more. And so, you know, it, it is global. And in the US, it's perhaps a combination of us loving, us loving trends, but also having more of a need You know, another cultural difference, for example, with Europe, um, being in the middle of the two is also in the middle in this way. People know better how to balance life. You know, here in France, in general, everything's closed Sunday and Monday. Like there's no retail open. Supermarkets are open Sunday morning until noon. There's a very high degree of respect for rest. Wow. For, for sitting down and taking space to enjoy life. That's just embedded in the culture here, wow. right? And in the East, you'll see even more so. Wow. You don't find that same hustle except in a couple of pockets like Tokyo and the very big cities. It's, it's a slightly different scenario, but elsewhere otherwise, it's a much more leisurely, collectivist, family-oriented existence. And, and it's not just about the money and the hustle. Right. So, you know, there, there are these trends and I imagine in the U S it'll stick more than it has. What sticks right now, more so for us as the pharmas is give me the quick fix and let me move on. But so interesting that you mentioned that, that there is this brand of practice practitioners like me who don't want you sitting there for 10 years. We want you to have the skills and tools to make the changes in your life, to be autonomous. So that i think is is the the next trend that's starting and that will that will start to negate and replace um our addictions you know to pharmas and and things that don't get to the source of the problem they just mask it you know until it comes up again and then and then you need more of that drug or or something else
0: that's 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 great information um wonderful perspective fascinating to hear about what's the way the shops close on Sundays and Mondays. I mean, it was a
1: rude awakening for me. I was like, wait, I can't get an apple any time of the day, any day of the week. I have, yeah. to, I have to be deliberate about not Sunday. you know, it, it is interesting, but it taught me how to, how to respect myself in that way. Sunday is a rest day. Take it. I shouldn't be out shopping or doing any of that. That should be done. And, and Sunday's my day with my family to, to just relax.
0: Absolutely. We don't have to be on 24/7 and there are other parts of our lives that we we should never neglect. We should never Then we
1: wonder why we have crazy rates of burnout in the US, right?
0: Oh my. Now, looking forward is again about looking at opportunities, positive things, that's what you're about. So, as you well know, Pax, there are a lot of people before but certainly during COVID-19 who've lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. We have people like myself. I'm into a second career phase of my life after having retired other people looking for new careers, maybe in midlife crisis, they want to do something else. They're veering in another direction. And then of course we have the, the students, which you were 10 years ago at grad school there. We have the students who are figuring out, well, what do I do with my life? I don't see any opportunities. So can you speak to what opportunities do you see in the world in which you operate, positive psychology and mindfulness, where would you direct people, suggest they look, people of all these different stripes?
1: Great question. So I'm going to, I'm going to adjust the micro first, and then I'll go a bit more macro cool. to contextualize why the micro. First of all, these spaces are still quite a bit self-directed. You know, and by that, I mean, you end up becoming an entrepreneur, whether you wanted to or not, if you abide by positive psychology, for example. This is not a terminal degree as we'd recognize, um, you know, let's say an MSW, right? And master's in social work or a PhD or a PsyD, a psychological doctorate. The master's in applied positive psychology is meant to be an applied degree to add on to another degree. So I should preface by saying that it's going to feel entrepreneurial if, if that's you know, the, the whole and soul thing that you have your mind on. If you've already gotten your MD or a PsyD and you like this as an add-on, it's much easier in a lot of ways to, to integrate that into your career. And, and again, yes, I think demand is going to go up. For mental health services, just by nature of us all having gone through a global crisis, and my awareness that there's going to be more waves coming—not necessarily of illness, but but other things that are going to test us, test our resolve. So demand will increase, um, but in the traditional spaces, you know, where where you've already got established practices and degrees that may seem a little easier. But again, to my mind, the focus does need to be more on positive psychology, on mindfulness, on self-development in that it's more autonomous in that you don't need to sit with a therapist for 10 years three to six months and you've got what you need and you're on your way it's just entrepreneurial for me it has been you know setting up my own my own practice and marketing it all of these things and convincing people that of what this is a lot of people didn't know before. Now there's more awareness. So convincing people of what positive psychology is and what it has to offer, right? Like we did on this on this call. Um, mindfulness, same deal, but but it still looks like that. So just be prepared for that. And that's that's on the the micro level of of how this really looks and feels right now. You know, there's no terminal degree in mindfulness. Like there's no right. masters in mindfulness that I know of, right? right? It's something that you can now get certified in, which is awesome. But then it's sort of up to you to figure out what you're going to do with it. You know, are you a teacher and you have this certification and now you're going to offer that within your school system? There's a ton of opportunity there for Mm -hmm. teachers uh, Mm -hmm. to avail of and and across the board. In the business sector, are you in real estate? I have a friend who's doing this. He's in real estate. He has the Masters of Applied Positive Psychology and he's using that to give lectures to his colleagues in the real estate game on, on positive psychology. So. There's a lot of opportunity. It, it's just going to be a bit entrepreneurial on how you work with it and what you do with it. Given that, again, they're not quite terminal degrees. And so people don't really know exactly where to place them. You know, recruiters don't know how to find you a job based on you being a mindfulness expert. There, there's a lot that you, you sort of have to seek out to figure out how to do. Um, but, but the spoils are there. It's such gratifying work, right? It's so beautiful to help people quickly find their way to well being. And and watch them become better human beings in the process, you know, that abide by life and not death or destruction that, and here's the macro level now, try not to make the awareness first financial, you know, a, a lot of people have lost their jobs and I'm actually happy to see a shift and change in America where if jobs are being lost and retail was shut down and people couldn't run to the material, it forced them to turn in and look at what's really important. And that really became our connections. People were so desperate to connect in any way they could thinking, I can't be with the people I love, with social distancing. That taught us something. And that's not something we should forget. Remember, That that's how you felt. Remember that your connections are your greatest assets. We know this in positive psychology. We've been saying it for years. I tell my clients this over and over. But still, in that hustle, in that race, it's the financial first. It's the money train that we all want to hop on, and it just doesn't give you happiness. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, Bronnie Ware, hospice nurse, five regrets of the dying, the top five through her research, money did not factor into those top five. Number one was, I wish I had lived a life more true to myself. That has nothing to do with money. The universe has your back and you will figure it out. Listen to your heart, go with your flow, which is what led me to France and to love, by the way. And the second one was, I wish I had spent more time with my family. So that says it all. When you get to your deathbed, that is how you're going to feel. So you might as well not waste your life lost on some other trajectory. Get it now, you know, and work with it. And, and then, then all is well, right? So that would be my macro reminder that you are here to live a certain experience and it doesn't come down to money. And across America and the world, that playing field is, is leveling out. We do not need the amounts of wealth that we think we do. It's a fallacy. It does not make us happier. I think it's about 100K where our happiness levels plateau. More and more and more money gives you no more happiness. That's part of the research. That's a fact. So as this playing field levels out, if people are losing jobs, this is an important opportunity to a, ask yourself, how much do I really need to be happy? And then B is to say, okay, is there something that I could be doing that would make me happier than what, than what I was doing before? These are the opportunities that destruction and change create if we want to embrace them.
0: Those are wonderful and much needed perspectives, Pax. Thank you so much. For a lot of people, this is a timeout, and it gives them a chance to to think about, well, what did this mean to me? What is this doing to me? Where do I go from here? The other thing I want to say, and there's so many things I could say, but we don't have the time. Based on what you said, is that the the need to impart this information? This information meaning positive psychology, how to heal oneself without having to take medications mindfulness practice is so important to be taught to young children children as Mm soon as you can and there is where those teachers come in and that in the practice of teaching and I'm sure that you've learned this yourself as you're teaching people things it only reinforces further those practices and those that understanding within yourself indeed I'm so
1: glad you brought that up it it really starts with our children that's how we change the world is by changing the development and minds of the young and i must mention that my compatriots my colleagues in the mindful schools program you know all of the teachers that went through my cohort with me in particular the loveliest human beings and i got to tell you they were far lovelier than the cats i met in finance okay <laughs> these are people out to change the world for the better and you can and are living doing it you know, like I said, again, I mean, you don't, you don't need as much as you think you do. And so the idea then is how can I be of service to the world? How can I be of service to the people around me? These teachers are shining examples of what it looks like to have folks on the ground um, leading the charge on developing our young people to have a future that's flourishing, full of happiness and actual well-being, not, not sort of the way we've gotten lost on it in, in sort of the, the Western modern world.
0: And if only we could teach would-be and new parents. Boy, I'll tell you, that would be incredible. Pax, this has been a terrific conversation. I would like to give you the opportunity. It's really more giving the listeners the opportunity to Mm -hmm. find out more about you, how they can learn more about what you're doing. I know you've got a film that you didn't talk about. You've got a book. You've got the audio book. You're working on another book. Uh, This is your chance to let people know what you're up to and how they can reach you.
1: Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. The best way is through my website. That's a great repository of information on me. It also has my short film there, a link to my book, a link to get in touch with me should you feel so called. If you have questions or you want to work with me personally, or you have a teen or a youngster in your life who you think could benefit from this across the board, That would be the best way. Um, And then just to trim through some of the the excess, if it's easier, my email, again, is paxtandon at gmail.com, P-A-X-T-A-N-D-O-N at gmail. And it's the same handle on Instagram and all other social media. So I'm fairly active on Instagram, as I mentioned, um, doing live interviews with people, infusing mindfulness into those conversations. So you can send me a direct message at Pax Tandon on Instagram. I'm available there. You'll also see my film in the feed. I'm on Facebook, Pax Tandon. So lots of different ways that that you can approach just learning more about me, the work that I do. And and again, feel free to ask me any questions or reach
0: out. And Pax, your your website, uh, could you tell the audience again, what is your website address?
1: Yes, it's paxtandon.com.
0: And that's P-A-X-T-A-N-D-O-N dot com. Okay.
1: Exactly right.
0: And we'll be excited to find out about through your website, through contacting you, what your next book is going to be about, or when in fact it comes out, we'll find out what it's gonna be about. It's
1: gonna be a good one. So I look forward to that too. So this, oh that sounds gonna be good. <laughs> well,
0: thank you again, Pax, for your time. You're a perfect guest to have on Looking Forward because you really do look forward.
1: Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're Shout welcome. out to all the
0: listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F J-E-F-F-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O- Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F.com. This is Jeff Ostroff, inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.